Well, you guessed it. Today we are continuing in our latest series entitled The Secret Sauce. And as we've been learning over the last couple of weeks, the secret sauce to life and to everything that God has for us is this issue of honor. And today I want to specifically speak to you directly from the heart of God as we look to his word on the topic of honor in the home. Honor in the home. And I want you to consider why this is so important. You know, as we saw over the last several weeks, uh, Jesus, the scripture tells us, showed up in his hometown. Get this. He showed up at home. And he shows up amongst his friends, amongst his family, amongst those that were closest to him, nearest and dearest to him. And the scripture says, by, by example, we see that Jesus wanted to do great miracles there. But the scripture says that he could not do many miracles there because there was no honor. Jesus said an on, a, a prophet is without honor except in his hometown. My point with that is this, that this issue of honor is important. And honor in the home is important because it can literally open the floodgates for the release of all that God wants to do in the home to happen. But where there is a lack of honor in the home, it also puts a stop to what God is trying to do. If there is any area that requires the utmost attention in relation to honor, it is in the realm of the family. Why? Because from the very beginning of time, the family was created to be a source of honor unto the Lord. And unfortunately, the home seems to get the least amount of attention in the society that we live in today. In the culture that we live in today, we are finding that it is more and more anti-family. It's the truth. And in the world system today, we are distorting, they are warping what the family actually is. And what we fail to realize today is that it is a dishonor to God. And so in Genesis 1, it records that after the first five days of creation, on each day, God took a look upon the work that he had done from his hands. He contemplated it. And the scripture tells us in Genesis 1 that God looked upon each one of those things on each one of those five days, and he said it is good. But on the sixth day, we have record that God created Adam and Eve, that he joined them together and he made them one. And the scripture clearly tells us on, in chat, in, uh, on, on the sixth day that God looked upon all creation, but he looked upon mankind and he said this, it is very good. It is very good. And that's very important because literally what it's saying in the Hebrew is that it was exceedingly pleasant, but it also renders it to mean that they were a valuable uh, they were valuable in estimation before God. In other words, God looked upon the husband and the wife. He looked upon the home, and he said, this is of utmost value to me. And by doing so, what God did was he established the first marriage, the first home, with the intent of using them to establish something of greater importance, 
Let me take you to the scripture on this. Genesis 1, 26 through 28, it says that God said, Let us make man in our image and in our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created mankind in what? His own image. And in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God did what? He blessed them and he said to them what? Be fruitful and increase in number. He said to them, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves upon the ground. From the onset, from the very beginning, God had a master plan. But here's what we forget, that the master plan for all creation revolved around the family. It revolved around the home. See, through them, God intended to channel his authority to establish order for all things, to bring blessing and to propagate a legacy that would carry through Adam and Eve into all the earth. Notice what God said. He said to them, be fruitful, increase in number, fill the earth, and subdue it. I'm going to read that to you according to the Hebrew. He says to them, be a branch off of my tree. Grow to be great. Do much. Overflow into all the earth and rule and dominate it according to my ways. Now this is powerful because it speaks to the design that resides within the family. The family is to be an extension of God's reign into the earth. I'm going to say that again. The family is to be an extension of God's reign into the earth. Listen closely. Listen closely. The family is like a branch, according to God's word. The family is like the branch that when it is attached to the supporting trunk, the structure, which is our God, it grows, it bears fruit, and it extends the tree's reach even further. It causes it to reproduce itself. And it's unfortunate to say this, but it is true that we are seeing Matthew chapter 10, 21 come to pass. I didn't put it up in our notes, but I want to read to you what it says. It says, brother will betray brother to death, and a father his child. Children will rebel against their parents and have them put to death. What I want you to consider is this, that there is an upheaval. There is a fight happening in the world today. There's a big fight going on in the world today. And here's what's happening. Husband is coming against wife. Wife is coming against husband. And everybody is fighting one another. Children are coming against their parents. Parents are coming against their children. People are coming against one another. The home is being destroyed from within. And we're fighting the wrong fight. We're fighting for the wrong reason. Husband, your fight is not your wife. Wife, your fight is not your husband. Child, your mother, your father is not your fight. Parents, your children are not your fight. You are fighting the wrong fight. You've got big gloves on. You want to win in the home, but you don't want to win the home. And we have to get back to the basics. We have to get back to what this is about. I'm telling you that though the end times are proving to be nearer than we think, 
It does not have to be the end of your home. It does not have to be the end of your marriage. It does not have to be the end of your family. Instead of fighting one another, instead of fighting one another, I want you to hear this. Instead of fighting one another, it's time that the body of Christ stand up in our homes and stand up for our homes and that we fight for the family. Listen closely. The family that dares to fight for its home, the family that says, not my home, that family that fights to maintain a united home, to stand for what is right, to stand for what is true, to stand for what is godly, becomes a channel of strength unto itself and unto others. But you know, unfortunately... Unfortunately, though God equipped mankind from the beginning of time to succeed and carry forth his blessing into all the earth, as we see from the scriptures, and if you don't know, go check it out for yourself in Genesis 3, it all came crashing down because of a lack of honor. It came crashing down because of a lack of honor. Now, we already know, according to creation, to, to, to the record of creation, that Satan dishonored God. But you see, the unfortunate thing is that it did not stop there. Eventually, Satan deceived mankind, and Adam dishonored Eve. How? By not protecting and covering her. He stood quiet while the enemy was entering in, while he was introducing lies. He did not protect nor cover Eve. Eve dishonored Adam because she did not consult him. She did not communicate with him. She did not seek guidance and direction and input from him. And they mutually dishonored God which eventually introduced its dishonor into their home. The scripture tells us in Genesis 4 that Abel was killed by his own brother Cain. So you see, honor, dishonor entered the home and it set the tone for hardship, for strife, and destruction in the family, which eventually seeped into the rest of the world and is still seeping into families today. I'm telling you that according to scripture, what we see when God originally established the home, what we see is that the man and the woman were to be, how can I put it, like California red trees. These are trees that grow up to hundreds of feet in height. Some of them average a hundred feet, uh, uh, tens and uh, uh, dozens and hundreds of feet in width. And these trees are strong and tall. They, they withstand earthquakes. They withstand forest fires and all these other things. But I'm going to tell you why they do so. Because their root system was created in such a way that as their roots spread out, what they do is they continue to grow until they intertwine with a brother or sister tree. And they grab a hold of one another, which firms up their foundation and their ability to withstand. Listen to what I'm saying to you. Strong families create stronger people. Strong families create stronger families. Strong families create stronger churches. Stronger families, strong families create stronger communities. And strong families create stronger futures. I know it looks bad, but you and I must stand. And so for the next couple of moments that I have here, I want to talk to you 
about reestablishing honor in the home. I want to give you some examples and some things directly from the scriptures. And the first point that I want to make to you is that the decisions we make today determine the homes we live in tomorrow. Let me say that again. The decisions that we make today determine the homes that we live in tomorrow. I, want, I, I, I don't know, I just feel this in my heart. For you young people, some of you are younger, right? Some of you, you're now getting into your young adulthood years. You're figuring life out. You're trying to chart a path. Let me tell you that what you are doing today will determine the wife and the husband that you will be later on. If you compromise the integrity of who you are as a woman and a man today, you will compromise the integrity of your home tomorrow. I'm just saying. Listen closely. Today always becomes tomorrow. Be mindful of what's happening today. Now, I've heard it said that we are all products of our environments, of our upbringing. But let's really dig into that for a moment and consider the reality. I submit to you that we are not products of our environments. Let me tell you why I say that. Yes, our environments and our past history and what we've learned along the way may prove to inform how we view certain things. But at the end of the day, it all comes down to a decision. See, you have to make a choice. And you may have had some bad information and bad experiences before, but you can, you can make new decisions today. You can take the word of God and define a new tomorrow. See, we are all products of our decisions. And in Joshua 24, verse 15, we see the example of Joshua when he's ending his tenure of leadership over Israel. At the end of his life, look what he says. He says, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will what? Whom you will serve. Whether the gods of your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, what, we will do what? We will serve the Lord. Come on and declare that over your home. We will serve the Lord. Say that nice and loud and proud. We will serve the Lord. That needs to be our declaration. See, as Joshua was transitioning out as leader over Israel, Joshua had led them in great victory and he had given them the seeds that they needed to complete the task of entering the promised land. But Joshua knew that the people of Israel were in a very vulnerable state. And he knew that because it had a lot to do with the condition of their family life and what they were carrying on from their past family experiences. How do we know this? Notice that he presents them with a choice. He says, choose for yourselves whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors. He's saying you can make a new choice today. You don't have to choose according to your past, your ancestry, what came up in your home. You don't have to replicate what you experienced growing up. You don't have to carry that hate and that hurt and that resentment anymore. You can make a new choice from this day forward. And if we are to establish uh, honor in our homes we must bring tomorrow into today so that we can overcome yesterday. I know that's a tongue twister, but I want you to consider what I'm saying here. Joshua is at the end of his life, but he's setting a vision for the future of his family. He's casting a vision into the future, 
and pulling from that future into today so that it can inform what we must do now, which in turn will eventually change what we used to do in the past. It'll break that cycle. See, I grew up in a home in complete dysfunction. I'll be very transparent with you. In the home that I grew up in, domestic violence was a regular thing. Alcoholism played a big part in what was going on with a stepfather who was there for a short period of time with us. Um, there was strife. There was dissension. There was anger. Uh, there was physical abuse. There was mental abuse. There was emotional abuse. There was verbal abuse. But then something happened in our homes. And I tell you, I am so grateful for it. I didn't understand it then, but I understand it now. You see, Jesus entered our home. Now, listen closely. My mother gave her heart to the Lord, and I'm not saying that it was perfect. By no, by no means was it perfect. We didn't have it all together. Everything didn't change overnight. We weren't transformed. It wasn't peaches and creams all the time. Most of the time, it wasn't. And the truth is that it never is completely perfect. But what I will tell you is this, that I can testify till this very day. Something changed. Something changed. I saw a bitter, tired, angry, hard-pressed woman, my mother, go from that state of being and living and thinking and doing to being transformed in her heart. And my mom made a decision then that is still impacting my life and the life of my family today. My mom said, in this house, we will serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord. Come on, we can give God some praise. God, listen, parents, youth, listen closely. God honors his word. And when we put the word of God before us as the standard, God will, he has a door and opening to work in your life. You may not agree with your parents. You may not like some things your parents do. Some of you, you believe you don't like your parents. Can I tell you, don't buy the lie. They are a blessing in your life. God wants to do something in your life through them. Listen to what Psalm 127.1 says, unless the Lord builds the house, unless who? The Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Now let me just speak to you in your homes. Speak to you in your homes. Are you busy trying to build your family or are you putting it in God's hands and doing it his way? Because when we follow what the scriptures say, guess who's the builder? God. Do it God's way. Let him build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Listen closely. Some of you, mothers, you are hovering like a mama eagle over the home, over your children. But are you doing it to the point that you cripple them? You can't do that. See, your fear and your insecurity and your worry is literally taking the place of God. And listen to what the Lord is saying. This is mothers and fathers. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards, that's you, they stand watch in vain. 
Listen, my mom took a stand for her home. And listen, we resisted it. But she held her ground and she declared, in this house we shall serve the Lord. We shall serve the Lord. My home till this day is in service to the Lord because I had a mother who took a stand when I fought her. And I don't say this with any sense of pride, and I don't say this to be an example to any young person. I made a tragic mistake. I left the home at 16. Because I said, oh, well, if that's the way it's going to be, then I'm going to go do my own thing. Let me tell you, what I thought was going to be my best years was my worst years. Trust the God in your parents. They may not have it all together. They don't. Neither do you. But let me tell you, there is an anointing upon your parents to work in your life, to lead you and guide you. Trust the God in them. See, if you and I don't set a standard for our homes and take a stand, it will fall. It will. It will fall. And when we establish that our home exists to honor God, and let me just say this to you parents, and we do not bend on the decision... God will honor you and begin that change from within those closed doors and chart a path into your tomorrows. It will begin to establish a legacy. A legacy. Listen closely. It is time that we get back to what the home was created for, to honor God. To honor God. To honor God. And so I want to share a couple of more thoughts with you. And the next one that I want to share with you is that what happens at the top affects the bottom line. What happens at the top affects the bottom line. See, the family unit has a structure. It has a structure. And according to that structure, what happens at the top impacts the rest of the home. It impacts the direction of the family. Now, I get it. We live in a day and age where, unfortunately, it's becoming more and more common where we have single parents' home, single parent homes, whether it's a single mom or a single dad. We have broken you know, homes that there's, there's a division there. But I want you to consider that according to Psalm 33, which we looked at last week, in Psalm 133, what we saw was that the anointing of God flows from the throne of God down to the top of the head. Mom, that can be you. Mom, I'm here to tell you today, it might be hard. You may actually be facing the tragic reality that you are doing this alone right now. But I am telling you that you are not fatherless and you are not without help. God is with you. God is for you. He is strengthening you. He will see you through every single time. God is faithful. Listen, my mom raised six kids by herself. And if you count the man that she was married to at one time, she raised seven. But I am telling you, I am telling you that when you take a stand, there is an anointing that flows into your life and through your life. You are not alone. God is with you. Now, I want to just speak to this order, this structure. And I want to start off by simply speaking to the husband who honors. According to Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 25, it says, husbands do what? Oh, hold on. Fellas. Wait, 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 wait. Fellas. 
This is God speaking to you and me. Let's, let's declare this together. Husbands, do what? Love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church, watch this, and gave himself up for her. Why? To make her holy, cleansing her by the washing and water through the word, and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. The husband in the home who coexists with his wife is the one who is held to the same standard as Christ. And you got to consider what that standard is. It's to love like Christ. Let me give you some good news, guys. Providing, protecting, leading. They are all functions of your call. They're, they're functions of our call. But our call is to love sacrificially. Listen closely, husbands. When we lead on our knees before the Lord. When we lead in service. What happens is this. It literally is the heart of God. And you, sir, begin to define and chart a path for your family of success. Now let me speak to your heart, husbands, because I know how hard that is. It is hard. It is, matter of fact, it's impossible when you do it alone. When you do it on your own. But the impossible is possible with God. And when we begin to partner with God and we begin to follow the ways of God, when we strive to lead with sacrifice, I don't, I've never seen a sacrifice, to be honest with you, but I would think that there's no single human being, no husband that would go to a sacrificial table willingly. It hurts. It's hard. But I've got good news for you. It's worth it. It's worth it. Why? Because it's what God did for us. And the reason why I share that with you is because the scripture tells us that love never fails. Let me say this to you, husband. You cannot fail your children. You cannot fail your marriage. You, may, you will make mistakes. We will all make mistakes. I make mistakes. But listen closely. Mistakes and failures is two different things. You may make mistakes, but you will rise again and you will lead your home well as you continue to follow after the Lord. 1 Peter 3, 7 gives us some indication of how to do that. It says, husbands likewise dwell with them with what? One husband. We're going to try the... Fellas... Get with the program. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them with understanding. Give honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together of the grace of life that your prayers may not be hindered. Let me point some things out to you according to this scripture. The husband that honors his wife and honors the home is one who dwells. One who abides, that speaks of sticking it out. Let me put it to you this way. That speaks of 
fighting for your, for your wife. But watch what you're fighting for. You're fighting to get to the point of understanding her. Instead of fighting her, fight to understand her. Fight to listen to her. The husband that honors his wife and brings honor into the home is the one who esteems the wife as one requiring delicacy and closer attention for care. Listen closely. When the scripture says that the husband is to honor the wife as the weaker vessel, it's not talking about physical strength or her position. It's literally saying in the Greek that she is a vessel that requires delicate attention. And care. You can't mishandle her and use her and mistreat her and expect to have a happy home. The husband that honors his wife is one who treats her, listen closely, fellas, as his equal. Now, I know some of y'all, y'all going, wait, 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 but I'm the head. Right, you are the head regarding accountability before the Lord. You're the head in terms of responsibility. You're head in regards to your accountability before God for your home. You are the head. That means God looks to you first, sir. See, while you are the head as it pertains to accountability before God, you are not her Lord and Master. And I'm going to tell you, because I watch, and let me also say this, I'm guilty as well. Let me be straight up with you. Sometimes we forget that she came from our side, not from under our feet. Husband, honor your wife by understanding her. Fight to understand her and treat her for the value that she is to you. I want you to consider that according to 1 Peter 3, 7, it clearly states that when we don't do this, that it hinders our own prayers. It hinders the flow that we enjoy from the kingdom of God. The wife who honors, Proverbs 12.4 says, A wife of noble character is her husband's crown. Let me speak to you, ladies. Let me speak to you about fighting for your home, fighting to establish honor. The wife who honors her husband and honors and brings honor into the home is a wife who elevates her husband to the point of royalty. Let me say this to you. Yes, your example and your love for him and the way that you lead in the home elevates him because you acknowledge that despite what you see, he is still a child of the Most High and he is royalty and he is worth being praised. I'm going to show you this in a second, but the worst thing that you can do unto a husband, a father, children, because this applies to us all, is dishonor the man in the home to the extent that you mistreat him as if he's less. 
You know what's one of the worst things we can do in the home unto men? Is to not treat them like a man. When you treat your husband without respect, just know this. You dishonor the king who gave him authority as a child of God. So instead of pointing out what you don't like, why don't you begin to point out what God says is true about him? Why don't you begin to honor just that one thing, that one thing that you see that is good? And if you say, I don't see anything good, well, you're blind because he's made in the image and likeness of God. Proverbs 14.1 says that the wise woman builds her house. Listen closely to what it's saying in the Hebrew. She is the establisher of the family. She is the one that beautifies the home. I learned a long time ago to get out of my wife's way when it comes to the home. I might pay the mortgage, but this is your house, baby. What you want? How do you want it? Can I tell you if you don't like the color? She'll figure it out eventually. Don't do it, guys. She establishes the family. She establishes the children. She beautifies the home. She sets the tone within the home so that you can lead, husband. Proverbs 31, 12, she brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. How many days? All the days of her life. You know what it's saying in the Hebrew here? It's saying that the wife who honors the husband and brings honor into the home is one who ripens her husband with good. Let me put it to you this way. Here's what the scripture is saying here. What she does helps him to blossom and mature. This is why the Apostle Peter says in the scriptures that the wife, that she's to lead her life, not in quietness by in terms of not speaking, but what he's saying is that her beauty and the power and the anointing that God has placed upon her is one that her example, and not her words, her example the honor that she renders in the home to the husband, that her example will open the door for God to raise that man up. He may not act the way he's supposed to. He may not believe what you believe. But thank God that God has placed a man in your life and there is still a potential for God to do something great. You lead by your example and stop berating him and speaking down to him. Ephesians 5.33 says this, the wife must see to it that she respects and delights in her husband. It literally means that she notices him and prefers him and treats him with loving concern. She treasures him and honors him and holds him dear. Listen to what the scripture says, wives, because it literally tells you what we as men need. It says take note of him. And praise his accomplishments. Yes, you know why she does that? Yes, you know why the woman is called to do that? Because when you do that, what you do is you build us up from within. You build us up from within. Honor the husband. Honor your, your father. Parents who honor. Proverbs 22.6. 
says, train up a child in the way that he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. He will not depart. I want you to consider what the scripture is actually saying here. It's saying that the parent who brings honor into the home and honors their children is the one who charts a narrow path. The way he should go, that way is a narrow path. Here's what that means. That path becomes narrower and narrower. It begins to, 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 to put before them resistance. It's not that you're coming against your children, but as you're teaching them in the ways of the Lord, here's what begins to happen. They begin to realize that doesn't fit, and this person doesn't fit, and these things are no good. And all of a sudden, as you're squeezing through and there's resistance in the midst of training, parents, don't freak out when your children resist you. That's part of the training process. Rejoice. I know you use something going, okay, it's about time to go. This is the part where we go out to eat before everybody bum rushes the restaurants. No, 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 stick around. Listen, listen. Resistance is a part of training. But notice this, that resistance develops resilience. It teaches a youth, a child, how to press through. It develops character. Can I tell you that when my mother laid down all these rules and she took a stand for our home, I didn't like it. I fought it. I resisted it tooth and nail, and eventually I left. Worst decision I ever made. But can I tell you that years later, and even in those beginning years, what I thought were my best years, deep down in my heart I recognized this is all bad. And here's what else would happen from time to time. I would realize God, you were right. Yes, sir. See, when you train your child, notice what the scripture says. That you instill in them something that when they are old, they will not depart. So I'm telling you parents, honor the Lord by holding the line. Yes, sir. Now I know some of, you, some of you young people are not going to like what I'm about to say. But I'm going I'm to say it anyway. It doesn't matter if they don't like it. Your job is not to be a friend to your child at this time. Your job is to be a teacher at this time. To be a parent at this time. Friendship comes afterwards. Now that my children are now adults, now I am discovering and enjoying a relationship with them as friends. But back then, no. My role is to teach you. Right? So parents who honor, Ephesians 6, 4, this is directed at fathers, but it applies in the home regardless. It says, and you fathers do not provoke your children to wrath, but bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. This is speaking of discipline and correction. This is speaking of how to chart the right path, how to redirect, how to teach, how to correct. And what we're seeing here is that discipline is not to be administered in anger. Can I tell you where we go wrong as parents when we act that way in the home, when we approach our children that way, when they drop the ball? You know, how we, you know where we go wrong? We're teaching them anger. When you just blast off with no thought to the impact of your words, I get it. He did crash the car. I get it. I get it. He did do wrong in school. I get it. She did not obey what you told her, and now there's a mess. I get it. But when we respond in anger, 
what we do is we go contrary to the word. Why? Because you see, love covers a multitude of sins. It doesn't excuse it. But what it does is it covers it in such a way that it begins to heal. It begins to restore. It begins to nurture. It begins to build up. And I'm telling you, I've made the mistake many times where my first response was the worst response. So discipline is not to be administered out of anger because it instills anger in our children. But you see, with training, what we are doing is, when we're doing it rightly, one, we're leading with love, and two, we're pointing them back to the truth that comes from God's word. That's so important. As we come to a close today, I want to leave you with a final point. And I want to speak to you, young people. I know that these grays in my, in my beard, they make, they make you think, oh, he's old. He don't know what I'm going through. You know, to an extent, you're right. We live in a different world than when I was growing up. But I want to just point you to something in the scriptures that eventually took root in my heart. That was a seed within my heart. And now I understand it today. But I didn't understand it when I was young. Ephesians 6, 1 through 3 says this. It says, children, obey your parents in the Lord. For this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment. Watch this. With a promise so that it may go well with you, listen, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Let me tell you why this is so important. Because according to the honor principle and what we see in the scriptures, when we give honor, we reap honor. We reap honor. In the Hebrew, here's what it says. Children, take heed to your parents' instruction in the Lord. Watch this. For this is divine and of God. It opens the door for a move of God in your life. It says, treat your parents with value and respect because it increases your value. That's the promise. When you honor your parents, God honors you. And I'm telling you this right now from personal experience. I lived in hell. For 12 years, I thought I was enjoying life and I was doing everything wrong, calling it right. And I was like that young boy in Luke 15 that I was eating dinner with pigs and I thought that the mud looked good on me. That everything... And the best way to participate is to honor God and honor your parents. It will never lead you wrong. I leave you with a principle that comes out of the scriptures but it's common sense to us all. You can't reap what you didn't sow. And if you want your parents to honor you, to, to open the door, to understand you, to take a different approach with you, then sow honor because you will reap honor from the Lord and you will prosper in your life. Let's stand here today. I want us to take a moment on this Mother's Day I know that this wasn't a message directly directed to moms. Oh, mom, just know this. You are not forgotten, and we honor you. 
I know some of you that are not mothers are saying, well, I don't have children. This isn't my day. No, listen closely. Eve was mother to the earth before she ever had a child. You are blessed and you carry a blessing, woman of God. And today we honor you and we bless you and we thank God for you. But as we come to a close today, I want us to take a moment. I want you to do something. I want you to close your eyes. Close your eyes and I want you to consider what God is speaking to you. What is God speaking to you today? Because his word does not return to him empty. It has an intent and purpose. And today God has spoken to each one of us. And it's all around honor. I know you've been hurt. I know some, some things we don't like in the home. I know there are things that we keep fighting to change and they just don't change. Can I tell you the very first thing that we need to change is how we bring honor into the home as opposed to being honored in the home. Lead with honor and reap the honor of the Lord in your home. Father, today I bless each and every mother, each and every family here. Whether you are here or you are online, God has created your home to be a channel through which he establishes greatness in your life, in your home, and through your life, and through your home. And so, Father, I pray strength to each and every family. I pray strength to each and every marriage. I pray strength to these youth and these children. I pray strength into these homes and communities, Father, because through these families, through these homes, through these mothers, through these fathers, through these children, Father, you have a divine legacy that you want to unleash. And today in the hearing of your word, we acknowledge the truth that you are speaking into our hearts and we make a choice for change. We will not replicate. We will not duplicate. We will not go backwards. Lord, we will make decisions today that bring honor into our homes, that bring honor into our families, that bring honor into our marriages because we honor you. And Lord, we thank you for what you are doing. Now, it's very possible there's someone here today, maybe you're joining us online, and today you recognize that maybe, just maybe, you haven't put God at the forefront of your home. I want to say this first and foremost, you don't beat yourself up. Don't live with lament. The scripture says clearly that there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. God's not mad at you. No, the very reason why you're listening today, why you're here today, is because God wants to change things in your life. And today I would encourage you to let God be the one to build you, to build your home to build your marriage, to build your relationships with your children, to restore the home that was broken, to restore the hurt that you are enduring, to bring peace and joy and hope. And if you believe that God can do that today, here's what you need to know, that before you could ever honor God, he honored you. See, the mess isn't the behavior. The mess isn't our experiences. The mess is the sin. It's at the root of everything that we do that goes against what God wants for our lives and our homes. But Jesus addressed that root. He cut that at the very core, at the root, at the very foundation of what our lives were. He died.
died to pay the price for our sins, but then he rose up again to prove not only that he's God, but to prove that you and I can rise too, that we can raise up new homes and new families. And if you believe that with us today, I want you to do something. I want you to extend your hand. If you're online, direct message us, give us an emoji. If you're making that decision today and declaring, I am making a stand for my family, God, I choose you, raise your hand nice and high because you are very important and we honor God and what he's doing in your life. Say this with us as we close. Say, Jesus, I believe you love me. You love my family. You love my marriage. You love my children. You gave your very best for us so that we could have a new beginning. Today I declare, as for me and my house, we shall serve the Lord. I call you Lord. I call you Savior. And I declare that you are my God. And from this day forward, I thank you for new beginnings, a new life. The best is yet to come. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.